Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener, Roberta. The House with a Past, from the Hermit's Cave. The Hermit is one of this podcast's favorite radio hosts. He was created by a group of actors known as The Mummers for a series of dramatic sketches performed in the early 1930s on WJR in Detroit. By the mid-1930s, The Mummers began calling themselves The Mummers Little Theater of the Air and quickly became known for their weird and disturbing tales. In 1936, The Mummers began focusing entirely on supernatural stories with a show they called In the Hermit's Cave. The following year, the Mummers gained the sponsorship of Olga Cole and shortened the show's name to The Hermit's Cave. According to the website Digital Deli, the show ran for 10 years, producing over 500 episodes. There was also a brief run on the Mutual Network from 1938 to 1939, retitled The Devil's Scrapbook, and a much longer run on KMPC in Los Angeles from 1940 to 1944. Despite the show's prolific output, only a small number of episodes are in circulation today. And now, let's listen to The House with a Past from The Hermit's Cave, first aired June 27, 1936. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The Mummers in the Little Theater of the Air. you're going to get to the store on time this morning. I'm hurrying. Oh, you know, Paul, I think I'm going to like this little town. Oh, I couldn't bear the thought of moving here when you first told me you had bought out the drugstore in a little jerkwater town. I think we'll be happy here, honey. Imagine finding a dear little house like this, all furnished. Why, it's nicer than anything we could get in the city. And the rent's so reasonable. How did you ever happen to locate it, Paul? Well, Mr. Rogers, a banker here in town, owns it. It Belonged to some member of his family. They've gone away or something, so he rented it to me. Now, I've got to go, honey. All right. Will you be home for lunch? I'll call you on the phone if I can get away. Okay. Oh, listen, dear. You must be careful about leaving lights on in the house all night. When you came to our room after listening to the radio last night, you left three lights on in the living room. What? 
No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, but I tell you, I didn't, Margaret. Our neighbors in small towns might think it very strange if they saw lights burning at all hours of night. Besides, we can't burn up money right now, Paul. Just getting started in this new business. Now. I don't know what you're talking about. I know I turned off the lights before I came to bed last night. I'm afraid you're getting absent-minded, honey, because three lamps were burning when I got up this morning. Oh, I won't argue with you. i got to go now. All right. Don't get too absent-minded, dear. You might mix the wrong prescriptions for people. What? Look. Oh, there goes the milkman right past the house. I told him to leave milk and cream every morning. Must have forgotten. Call him in. Paul. All right, I will. Oh, let me see. What should I do first this morning? Oh, I love this little house. It's going to be grand living here. Oh, that must be the milkman. Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. Won't you come in? Uh, thank you, ma'am. I guess you forgot about me this morning. I want milk and cream every day. Uh, yes, ma'am. I didn't forget about you exactly. I thought maybe you would be moving out already, so I didn't stop. Moving out? <laughs> Why, we just moved in the day before yesterday. Uh, yes, ma'am, I know. But that's about as long as anybody stays in this house. I don't see what you mean. I just figured I wouldn't leave any milk for you because you might move away in a hurry and I might not get any pay. Oh, we aren't in the habit of moving out of places in the nighttime. I still don't see what you mean. And the last folks that moved in here about four months ago, they got out in the night and in a hurry, too. How strange. What for? Well, if you haven't found out yet, you soon will. Found out what? This house. There's something in it. Queer things go on here. Things that frighten folks half out of their wits. Yes? Well, what is it? What is it that's strange? Well, no one knows, ma'am. But they say the house is haunted. <sighs> is it one of the superstitions of this little town? I don't know, ma'am. But most folks here in town know it's true. <laughs> Should I leave a quart of milk, ma'am? Uh, yes, and a pint of cream. Every morning, please. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, here... I'll pay you for the week. Then you won't be afraid that I'll run off and you won't get your money. Here you are. Is this the right amount? That's right, ma'am. Oh, someone at the door. Pardon me. It's your next-door neighbor, ma'am. I've seen her coming across the backyard. Oh, thank you. None of my neighbors have called as yet. Uh, good morning. Good morning. You're Mrs. Liveston, aren't you? Yes, I am. Won't you come in? Oh, yes, although I can't stay long. Uh, I'll be going, ma'am. Oh, yes, and don't forget to stop every morning. Uh, no, ma'am. Uh, yes, ma'am, I, I will. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, ma'am. Well, so you've moved in here to stay, have you? And your husband bought out the drugstore. Oh, it's too bad old Mr. Green had to die. He was such a good druggist, and I depended on him, so... Um, he fixed up the most marvelous remedy for my rheumatism. But, uh, and I always say these new doctors mean well, but they don't know the old-fashioned remedies the old men did. Oh, no, sir. Oh, won't you come in the living room and sit down? Uh, no, if you don't mind, I'll stay right here in the kitchen. Not that I'm afraid in this house in the daytime, mind you, but... Well, I like to be right near a door where I can get out in a hurry. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Dutton, will you please tell me what this mystery is all about? The milkman was trying to tell me something about him, but... Uh, he... Now, that's just what I thought. I said to my man last night, I said, like it not, Seth Rogers. He's the banker who owns this house. Oh, yes. I said, I'll bet you dollars to donuts he didn't tell you folks a thing about it. Now, isn't that the limit? Oh, what is it? Tell me all about it. Well, there are no two ways about it. This house is haunted. Huh? 
You don't mean to tell me that a, a lovely new house like this is branded with any old-fashioned oh, belief like true. that? Oh, it's right. Sometimes I actually get so frightened right next door to it that I threaten to move out of the neighborhood. I said only last week that if I heard any more stories about it, I'd have to get out. Oh, for goodness sake, tell me what it is. I don't want to live in ignorance of what's wrong with my own oh, house. Is. That's what it is. Oh, it's a tragic story. A very tragic story. Yeah. Well, tell me. Well, this house was built for Mr. Rogers' daughter. He gave it to her for a wedding present. Oh, I remember as well as if it were yesterday. She was such a beautiful girl. And her husband. <gasps> My, but he was handsome. They lived here in this house? Yes, but only for four weeks, mind you. Just four weeks in this lovely little house. How long ago was it? Just three years ago, last October. <gasps> My, it was a terrible thing. What happened to them? Well, as I say, they'd only been married four weeks when one day he went out hunting. How well I remember that day. I was the first one over here when I heard about the accident. To him, you mean? Yes. Oh, my. To think that a couple so much in love should come to such a tragic end. Well, as I say, I was the first one over here. I even got here before Mr. Rogers came to tell his daughter about it. I had to break the news to her. Something had happened to her husband, you mean? Some other hunter shot him accidentally. Killed him outright. Oh. Oh, how terrible. Terrible is no word for it. And wait, you haven't heard the worst part of the story. Two weeks afterwards, that poor girl, that lovely bride, who was a bride no more, killed herself. Oh, no. Yes, she did. Threw herself in the river. Drowned. Oh, what a tragic thing. Oh, her poor little body. They never recovered it, though they dragged the river for days and days. Well, it's a terrible thing, Mrs. Dutton, but I don't see what it has to do with this house being haunted. Oh, wait, I'm coming to that. You see, for six months after they died, it was closed up tight. Mr. Rogers never came near it. I came over and sorted out her clothes and personal things for him. He wouldn't step inside. Then I guess he decided to rent it. It was all furnished and everything. Oh, it's so nice even now. Four different families have tried to live in it since then. But they all moved away in a hurry. They claimed they heard things walking at night. In this house? Yes, walking all over it. Ah, tragedy struck it too soon. And the ghost of those young people come back to walk on the earth they were forced to leave. Have you ever heard them walking? No, and I don't want to. I heard nothing last night. But you will. You mark my words. Oh, oh great heavens. What was that? Sounded like something in the living room. I'll go see. Something certainly did fall. What? Why, look. There's this beautiful vase that's set on the mantel. Oh, what a shame. It's broken in a thousand pieces. Not a car going by on the street to jar it. Not a thing. Oh, I tell you, they're beginning to walk in the daytime. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. They haunt the house in the daytime now. Oh, let me out of here. Paul. Paul, wake up. Hmm? Turn on the lights. What, what is it? What did you say? Wake up. Turn on the light right there beside you. What's the matter? Listen. There's someone walking up in the attic. I don't hear anything. Wake up and listen, you will. You hear it? Uh, I hear a noise. Someone walking, I tell you. I can hear it plain as day. 
turn on the light. Yeah. How do you feel better when you can see? I don't think I hear it now. I suppose whatever it was knew we turned on the lights and scampered away. <laughs> Honey, I'm ashamed of you. You let that neighbor of yours get you all upset. Oh, no, I haven't. I'm certain I heard someone walking upstairs. Well, it's stopped now. What do you say we go back to sleep? Well, let's sleep with the light on. Nonsense. Well, I'm back to sleep and forget it. All right. I'll try. May I uh, turn off the light then? Yes, go ahead. There. Now you calm your fears. Go back to sleep. Oh, I know you think it sounded silly. Of course I do. You can't scare me. There are such things as ghosts, you know. Where? In books? In life. Ah, you're silly. Paul. Listen, Paul. There it is again. Don't you hear it? I do hear a noise. It's someone walking right up over our heads. Paul, you've got to go up in the attic and see what it is. All right, all right, I will. Just to satisfy you. But I know it isn't anything. Just the wind rattling something up there. Wind doesn't make the sound of footsteps. Oh, hurry, Paul. You want it to get me? I want you to find out what it is. Well, where's my robe? I'm beginning to see why people moved out of this house. How could they stay here with this strange walking over them? You uh, want to come with me? No, I'll stay here. What's that? Oh, it's Paul walking up the attic stairs. Oh, I've got myself in a nice state of nerves. Now, if that's Paul, it, it sounds exactly like the walking before he went up there. What was that? Paul! Paul, come here! Paul, come here, quick! What happened? Margaret, that was down in the kitchen. Oh, I'm coming. What's happened here? Oh, my heavens. Oh, what is the word? Every dish in the cupboard is smashed on the floor. Oh, of all things. All these lovely dishes broken. What, what could cause it? By golly, if this isn't the limit. Oh, what could cause it, Paul? Was there someone up in the attic? No. No, no, there wasn't. But, Margaret. Yes? I don't want to get you frightened. No, huh? tell me. What did you see? Well, it wasn't exactly what I saw. Well, in a way, it was, too. There was something, wasn't there? As I was climbing the stairs to the attic, I don't know what it was, but I had the queerest sensation, as if something brushed my shoulder. I could feel it, almost see it. It was as if I were blind and yet could sense someone or something trying to move stealthily past me. Oh, Paul. Oh, dear. The house is haunted there. I don't know. But if it is, and something did pass me on the stairs, it came down here in the kitchen and threw all these dishes on the floor. <laughs> Let's get out. I'm going to talk to Mr. Rogers in the morning. I can't believe it yet, but there certainly is something going on here. I know here. it. I know it. I heard them walking long before you did. And the vase on the mantel this morning, it broke too. Well, keep calm, honey. We'll find out what it is. Right now, if you can find a cup that isn't broken, I'll have a gallon of black coffee. <laughs> What can the trouble in the house Paul and Margaret have rented be, eh? Who is moving about in their house in the dark of night? The hermit will tell you before the night is done. <laughs> and now, the hermit again. <laughs> it is the next morning, and we find Paul in the office of Mr. Rogers. Listen. <laughs> uh, it's all right, Mr. Liveston. You're welcome to move out. 
I'll refund your month's rent. I don't want to do that, Mr. Rogers. You stayed a night longer than anyone else who's rented the house. I don't blame you for going. You haven't ever stayed there, have you? No. I presume you know the story of my daughter and my son-in-law. Yes, I do. I don't want to bring it all up for you again. It's all right. It's with me all the time. What I started to say was, I can't bring myself to go in the house. I built it for my little girl. I couldn't go into it. Ever. What I'd like to ask you is, do you take any stock in the story about the house being haunted? I don't know. All I've heard is from the people who've rented it. They say so. But you don't believe it, do you? I don't know. There might be some truth in it. Yet you've never investigated? Oh, I think you understand. I can't visit that house. But maybe if you came and stayed in it, we could clear the matter up. Won't you come over to the house and stay with my wife and me tonight? Well, I... Please. We'll feel a lot better. We want to live in the house if possible. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll try and forget my sorrow. I'll go there to the house tonight and stay with you. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. If there is anything, we'll find it. But I don't want the house all torn to pieces. Oh, no, sir. We won't do that. I hate to lose the property. But if it's true that there is something wrong, I may have to burn the house down. That would be a shame. My wife likes the house. We'd like to stay there. Well, I'll be over tonight. Maybe we can straighten it out forever. Good evening. Oh, Mrs. Dutton, come right in. I suppose you're surprised to see me. I didn't think myself that I'd ever come into this house at night. Well, now you're here, won't you take off your things and sit down? I just wore this shawl. I'll keep it over my shoulders. Isn't that Mr. Rogers' car out in front? Yes, it is. Well, think of that. I never expected he'd come to this house. Never. Is there something wrong? Something more than usual, I mean? Well, not... Not exactly. It must be something very strange that would bring him to this house. He never set foot inside it since the death of his daughter, you know. So I understand. But he very kindly consented to do so after my husband went and talked to him. What about? Well, we like the house very well, and we'd like to stay here if we can. Has anything else happened since the day I was over? We did hear some strange sounds. I knew it. I knew it. Then you've gone right on living here. How can you do it? Why, I'm sure I... Where's Mr. Rogers gone? Oh, he and Paul are looking through the house. They've gone down the basement now, I think. Searching? What for? For oh, nothing definite. What could they find? Things that haunt houses couldn't be seen. Well, you know how much better anyone feels after they've searched all through a house which frightens them. <gasps> oh. oh, my heavens. Look. Look. Where? What do you mean? Can't you see? Look at that chair. What? Look at it. Why, it's rocking. Oh, of course it's rocking. All by itself. Oh, they, they must have darted while they were down in the basement. Oh, no. It's spirits rocking that chair. I know it. Whatever is in this house that haunts this place, it's after someone. Or it wants something. I know it. Oh, it's rocking again. All by itself. Oh, hell! What is it? Yes, what, what's happened? Oh, Mr. Rogers, it's you. Oh, I'm glad you've come. But now you may stop whatever it is in this house. What is it, Mrs. Dutton? See that chair there? It started to rock all by itself. Did it, Margaret? Well, it, yes, it did. I thought perhaps it was because you jarred the floor while you were down in no. the basement. Oh, it was spirits. I know it. 
Oh, my nerves. My nerves are all unstrung. I've got to go home. Right now. Right now. Well, she really was frightened, wasn't she? Of course, if it did really move of its own accord, it would frighten anyone. I can't make it out. We haven't seen a thing. Oh, it isn't that there's anything in the house that hurt you, Mr. Rogers. It's only this constant moving of things in the house. And in the nighttime, someone or something moving in the attic. We haven't seen anything either. I don't think we shall. I shall have to admit I'm still at a loss to account for it, though. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll retire to my room for the night. But I promise you I shall stay awake. And if there is anything, we'll find it. Well, I can hear it tonight all right, Margaret. Was that the sound you heard? Yes, that's it. Should we call Mr. Rogers? No, let him hear it for himself. Then we'll be certain it isn't a product of our own minds. How could it be a product of our own minds? There's certainly something moving about in the attic. Someone, something walking. You're right, it is. Oh, yes? It's Mr. Rogers. Just a minute. I think I heard what you've been referring to. The sound of something moving in the attic. Yes, Mr. Rogers, we just heard it, too. Shall we go up there? Yes, I guess we better. I can't make it out. I'm going to. All right. Will your robe be warm enough? Yes, I'm all right. Then let's go right away. Oh, wait, there aren't any lights in the attic. I'll take a flashlight. Why, the attic was wired for electricity. I guess the bulbs have been taken out then. Because I couldn't get any light the other night when I went up there. Listen, I hear it again. Do you? It sounds as if... Whatever it is, was moving faster, walking more rapidly. Are we all ready now? Yes, I am. Of course, we won't see a thing. All these weird things happen and we never see a thing. Here are the stairs. Watch out now. Don't fall into them. Oh, I, I hate to admit it. I'm so scared my heart is pounding like a trip hammer. I know. I went cold all over when I heard the sound of walking while I was in my room. The light should turn on right here. Guess they don't work. We can see pretty well with this flashlight. Yeah, you see, not a thing. Totally deserted. We can't peer into the corners very well. Wait, I'll stand up in this chair. Maybe the light bulb has come loose. Maybe I can fix it. I can almost reach it. Here, I'll give you a boost. Now I've got it. Yes, it is loose. There. Now turn on the switch. Yes. Oh, there. That's fine. Now we can see there. But there isn't anything to see. Isn't it the queerest thing? Did you feel anything pass you on the stairs this time, Paul? No. Did you, Mr. Rogers? Pass me on the stairs? No. Well, neither did I. And if there is anything in this house, it should still be right here in this attic. Do you mind if we tear things to pieces up here and search thoroughly, Mr. Rogers? I don't know what there is to search for, but go right ahead. I hate to disturb my girl's things that were left here in the attic. But we might as well, I guess. I just thought it might be an animal or a bat or something living up here. We may find it. Well, that wouldn't account for the dishes breaking, Paul, or the chair rocking. This is just a pile of bedding, isn't it? Yes, I guess so. Oh, look. Look at this big trunk. What's in it, Mr. Rogers? Oh, that... that trunk, why, it was one my wife and I first took to Europe with us. My little girl used it for her trousseau, I guess. Uh, I think it's locked. Maybe I can open it. Stuck, I guess. Rusty. Oh, oh, there. It's opening. 
there. What is it? It's a body, Mr. Rogers. A woman's body. What? Let me look at it. Great heavens. It, it's the body of my daughter. The body of my daughter. Margaret is much better, Mr. Rogers. I'm glad to hear she's getting along, all right? It was a terrible shock for her. And for you, Mr. Rogers. Yes, it was. So much I can't even think or... Reason it out. You know how it happened? Yes, we found the bottle of poison in the bottom of the trunk. She crawled away in there and died. Believe me, my, my heart aches for you. But at least now I can give my little girl a decent burial. Mr. Livestern, I'm convinced there was something that moved about in the house. Aren't you? Yes, I am. Either the spirit of my daughter walked in that house... Or that of her husband trying to tell us that the body of my little girl was there. We haven't heard or seen anything strange for the last three nights. No, and you won't. The spirits will rest easy now. They'll rest easy. set free. It will walk no more. <laughs> Turn on your lights. Turn them on. <laughs> I'll be back. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Characters, places, and occurrences mentioned in the Hermit's Cave are fictitious, and similarity to persons, places, or occurrences is purely accidental. That was The House with a Past from the Hermit's Cave here in the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was a listener request, again, uh, letting you know that came to us from our listener, Roberta. And thank you, Roberta, for uh, listening and for your suggestions. Just because I didn't see the email or the suggestion, was this... uh, Ah, one of my favorite episodes of all time. Or, hey, just want to see what your take is on this. What was her reasoning for bringing this to us? I have lost the original one. Ah. (laughs) I had it down as a list with her name. I hope it's her request. (laughs) 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 But it's an old one, so hopefully Roberta's still listening. I think it's from like 2019, and so I pulled it from the way back archive. And just so you know, we're trying to get to all of them, everybody. But I do think that I've some given people... up on getting to all of them. Don't I, say that. Um, but we value the next one you send to us, whoever you are. Yes. We yes. will get to it. We might, we might never get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Giving all these mixed messages. We're like the CDC. <laughs> I, I'm very curious to see how this discussion goes because. I, I'm just going to hold off. I'm going to. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see. What, uh, if you I love heard... how you always present that as if it's like your response is a mystery. Like whenever you just <laughs> absolutely don't like something or have no foothold in it anywhere, okay. you're like, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and uh, yeah. see if I can f- just let you guys. Uh, <laughs> 
walk then across it, this minefield. Because then, <laughs> then if you guys say, this is a genius piece of work, then I can just come in and go, yeah, I think so too. And then I don't look like an idiot. So I'll just throw it out there. The acting in this is terrible. It's so terrible, it's hard for me to get past. It's Lone Ranger-esque acting. Look, people, I love the Lone Ranger. He's tattooed on me. I like the radio show, but <laughs> it's not exactly amazing performance of radio theater. It's so ridiculous. It's so stilted and so weird. I can't tell you how much I hated that. Maybe I should get a tattoo of the hermit. <laughs> I would love to see what he looks like in your head. As long as it has a, a word balloon that says, and murders too. <laughs> That's my cave. He looks a little like Sigmund from the Sea Monsters. Um, I will dive into opinion. I love haunted house stories. Mm-hmm. And this was a haunted house story. <laughs> and I loved it. Yes, I recognized like, Without the historical context of this is people inventing horror on the radio. Mm-hmm. Right. This would be very, like, uh, I called it in my head, an unfrosted sugar cookie. <laughs> <laughs> like, still good. Still happy to have it. Your head is full of cookie analogies. <laughs> it is. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a terrible uh, marketing campaign. <laughs> If there's no frosting, and why even bring it up? Now they're just thinking about the frosting. Don't call them unfrosted sugar cookies. Just call them sugar cookies. I love what you just said, though. It's exactly right. Because we've heard so many haunted house stories now that this is tropity trope trope troperton. Yeah, there is no twist to it, really. Nothing. But it's good reminder that this was in an era of not many of these had been done yet. Yeah, and let me... Put both of your comments together in some way and underscore what Tim said, that this is really early dramatic radio mm-hmm. at 1936. So when I listen to this, I kind of put it in the same category as something like The Witch's Tale, yes. which was earlier. I think it started in 1931. But both of them are very representative of early horror radio. And they tended, at least from a modern point of view, to feature plots that were simple and predictable and dialogue that compared to older radio uh, was overtly expositional Mm -hmm. uh, to the point of being clunky at times and to eric's point though i think one of the things that makes witch's tale a little more exciting to listen to today is they have all those things but the direction and the acting is so energetic even when they make bad choices they are a attacking those scripts yes. in a way that is just sometimes just like slow down <laughs> and as we've done our research we find out sometimes they're speeding along because they realize the script's too long right. <laughs> yes. and, they're, and they're, right. they're trying to get to a, to a cliffhanger as Alonzo Dean Cole is handing them new script pages but Hermit's Cave doesn't seem to have that energy the one performance I actually liked in here was um, I think it's Margaret the wife because she has some of that same quality uh, that I do like in the dark fantasy performances. This intimate, sort of hushed quality to her voice that feels like they're exploring ways to creep people out on, on early radio. It's mm-hmm. like early ASMR, <laughs> you, <laughs> right. you know, because they stay really focused on her during the really great haunting scene when her husband has walked away to go check out the footsteps and she's just 
describing out loud what she's hearing. And I think that is really effective. And mm-hmm. they may be kind of, again, inventing that kind of intimacy that Orson Welles will then take further with that first person singular. So those that's the like <laughs> historical context in which I try to listen to this. If you put the historical context on it, there's absolutely uh, forgiveness and empathy. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think but, at this but, era, every mm-hmm. person who does radio drama is an amateur. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. But you're right. If you take that away... If you take it away, then yeah. we're talking about does it stand the test of time? And it does not. Yeah, and agree. in a mere eight years, even sooner, there's some performance in old-time radio starting in the late 30s, especially through the 40s. It is just incredible. And stands a test of time. So, oh yeah, still in the thirties. I mean, Columbia, yeah. Columbia Workshop, Workshop is going to yep. start really yep. changing things. Uh, Arch Obler and Willis Cooper in Lights Out in the thirties are going to start really uh, mm-hmm. being innovative and uh, sometimes discovering through failure yeah. <laughs> how to do radio. But often their experimentation takes the form in huge forward directions. It's the moment when they realized that an actor can be real. Like a real person reacting in that environment. They don't seem like real people. You're expecting a reaction that isn't there and it doesn't match what's happening. I think in fairness, I want to put some of that blame on the script. Yeah, I would put mm-hmm. a lot on the script. The because script it, is, it would be really hard to perform this. Yeah, it's not great. What's the line that they say three times in the script about, uh, it's a, a slang term of... Can... Jerk water? Because <laughs> I want to bring that one back. <laughs> no, if I remember it. it sounds like something I got to run to Costco, for... get some jerk water oh, yeah. and unfrosted sugar cookies. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to the joke. <laughs> uh, isn't he the most? Isn't that the most? I can't remember what it was. Like when someone does something incredulous and mm-hmm. uh, it was... Two or three. Days. Point is, kind of come up with a different way to, to say, "Oh, I'm incredulous that that person said that or did that," and I can't back that up because I can't remember what it is. But it is there's some lazy writing in here too, mm-hmm. and also again, I'm putting it in the context of we're figuring things out. But that last four minutes has this kind of feel. Okay, yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's my make it plate is that facing the other direction of the script seems to really suggest all kinds of other things this might be. This might not be a haunting. It might be this neighbor lady. It might be this other thing. Okay, good point. And it, it might be a bat in hard-soled shoes just walking around <laughs> up there. I think he theorizes a bat at one point. You're right. <laughs> and it's, I'm so trained to like pick up the clues, get ready for the twist. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a haunted house. <laughs> Which, again, I love. Yeah. Here's where it was effective in that way for me, is that they threw out so many other possibilities and cast suspicion in a lot of different directions. I did not expect them to open a trunk and find a dead body curled up in it. So that surprised me. The problem is that shock dissipates so quickly because nothing comes of it. It's just like, oh, right. She didn't drown. I don't know why we thought she drowned. Because we couldn't find the body. <laughs> so where did that theory even come from that she drowned? Uh, because she poisoned herself and crawled into her own trousseau, which is a really depressing, horrible Lazy image. coroner. Uh, <laughs> drowned. That was a 70s show. That, didn't make it. that lazy coroner. <laughs> 
Um, I'm sorry, that re- that reveal with the trunk, though, it had the unexpected nice twist of the wife opened it up and shielded her husband's eyes. Don't look. That was unusual. Did, yeah. Did you get the feeling, and maybe I'm reading too much into this. It, again, I was so caught up in the in the choices by the actors and how to react. And again, the script doesn't help. I get it. But the father seemed very much like, ah, there she is. <laughs> no, you mentioned the acting. And I think the real Achilles heel here is the guy playing the father. Because yeah. it, I never believe any of his responses. Oh. I mean, if you find your daughter right. curled in fetal position in her trousseau, yeah. Every think, time you say Trousseau, I think Clouseau, and it's... <laughs> I'm not going to get past that. <laughs> Her trunk. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Stop I, being elitist. Th- that's what they call it I in know. here. I know. I know. It is not my dog. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, but it, you're right. And part of the problem, again, is the script doesn't ever even give her a name. So when he right. sees her, he has to go, my daughter! I mean, right. like, my unnamed daughter! <laughs> that's why she killed herself. <laughs> so that's where I'm going to give the actors a little leeway is I don't know that they were that experienced to begin with and then they have a, a more amateurish script. Yeah, it's a thing in theater where everything's in a straight line. Like there's... There's it's an emotion. It's so flat, and everything stays exactly where it is. There's no ups. There's no downs. It's just this straight line of everything. Uh, the milkman driving by the house and going, oh, go get him. He forgot. Is the same reaction to, ah, oh, there's a girl in the trunk. Uh, Trousseau. Oh, that's not fair. I think that was- Milkman's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the reaction by her, as Tim pointed out, was- strong and actually kind of interesting because she's the one who discovers it. Mm-hmm. She as a character seems to get stronger and stronger throughout the script. And again, I'd have to listen to it maybe one more time, which I'm probably not going to do, <laughs> to figure out if that's in the script or purely in the performer. So I think it's the father's reaction that is terrible, not hers. I do want to give it this credit, though. Again, this is putting it in its historical context. I thought the the Foley did a great mm-hmm. job. Yeah. No, I wanted I- to point out that those... Uh, footsteps that are really clear. Yeah, they're really crisp. There's no incidental or background music to interfere with. Yep. Every scene that is actually a haunting with sound mm-hmm. effects. The whole following of the footsteps, the crash of the dishes breaking in the mm-hmm. other room, uh, and her terror as she's hearing it all from the bed. That scene stands the test of time. It understands everything that is effective about horror on the radio. Yeah. Just three-fourths of everything around it either doesn't work or doesn't gel with the other scenes. Yeah, the traditional haunting stuff is good. Uh, like you said, the footsteps, the rocking chair, nothing new, but then again, it was new then. I want to piggyback on what you're saying about the no music to interfere. I love that. And it's one of the arguments I've made that I hear all the time with uh, Lugosi's Dracula, that there's no music to me, the silence of that, because that's what it would be if you were there. There wouldn't be music, and there's something really terrifying about that movie for me. And people have tried mm-hmm. and written scores for this now, and you can go see these these original scores for it, and, and then people are like, now it's good. Now it's good. And I know. So uh, it that did occur. That bluegrass score. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> uh, but it did occur to me just that I love hearing someone just go, 
Yeah. Well, you hear footsteps. Like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the stuff. Don't tell me that I need to be scared with the low tone. Right? Don't fear on for me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, inside Uh, baseball. The scariest scene in here, because it was too real, was the couple fighting over leaving the lights on and the expensive electricity bill. (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening to old time radio for escapism, not to relive my own domestic squabbles. Thank you very much. (laughs) I appreciated hearing someone speak up confidently. I did not. Well, it's so funny you bring that up, Joshua. Gosh, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. But there, there was that frustration of when she says, okay, I guess you didn't then. I guess it was some magic person. that came. And you have to make that choice of, am I going to die on this hill or not? And you go, that's right. I left the lights on. Can we move on? Well, I'm sure later when they discovered the body in the trunk, it's, I told you. Uh, and then she uh, lets him go off to work with that terribly dark joke about like, well, you're absent-minded. I hope you don't mix up somebody's prescription. <laughs> uh, and I was like, why does that disturb me so much? And then I realized, oh, because I'm flashing back to that scene in It's a Wonderful Life when... Yeah, Mr. Gower. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Gower almost kills, uh, someone. kills somebody, yep. but uh, George Bailey stops him but gets a slap in the face for his troubles. <laughs> slap in his bad ear and makes oh, his bad yeah. ear bleed. Not a slap. He hits him like four times, man. He clubs boxing him. Yeah, yeah, he clubs yeah. the kid. Yeah, that's a tough scene. Uh, and, and then Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about it's a wonderful life, but that scene is uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's because it, of his redemption later. Yeah, so. that whole film would be too saccharine if it didn't have all those dark, real moments in it. Yeah, that man. earns the sentiment. And it does go into what we're talking about is that. Sometimes performance can make all the difference in the world. And I think It's a Wonderful Life just does not work without Jimmy Stewart or or someone comparable to pull that off. His anger, for example, in that movie Mm -hmm. uh, and destroying his uh, his bridge, you know, in his living room during Christmas. That whole movie could go south so bad without good performance. And it's not really that spectacular of a script as it is a spectacular performance and I think to Tim's thing I love haunted houses and you know much I like supernatural stories and you know how much I want it to be just a supernatural thing like instead of a bat with tiny shoes on (laughs) and so I, I did enjoy all of that until the ending there are some very positive things but it could have been better could have been a lot better and stood the test of time but forgiving them because they know not what they do with yet. <laughs> One of the things I appreciated, it it wasn't communicated clearly through the script. You had to kind of piece it together, all their reactions to the various possibilities of what these disturbances could be. But when I finished the whole episode, I thought overall their reaction to these things was fairly reasonable compared to other haunted house stories. Mm -hmm. Um, They were kind of dismissive at first. Well, Paul was when uh, she woke him up at first to say their footsteps. But Mm -hmm. once he heard them, he investigated, weird stuff happened. He had to admit that something's going on. He has some line to the effect of, I'm not really ready to believe it's a ghost. But by saying that, he admits that, it certainly looks like a ghost, but but I'm I'm grappling uh, with what I've experienced and what my rational mind is telling me what it could actually be, and I I thought that was 
Mm-hmm. Good. And later, when Mrs. Dutton comes back for no real reason to visit the house a second time and carry on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Why is she there at night when she swore she'd never be there at night? <laughs> they just don't have enough story here right. to even get to the like the 20-some minutes long it actually is. Uh, but then at some point, too, I think she says that uh, we wanted to ask Mr. Rogers over to make sure that it wasn't just our imagination. <laughs> That's another hurdle. That's another I hurdle. It's <laughs> a huge hurdle in this thing. Stop saying Mr. Rogers. Uh, but overall, they seem to slowly but surely check all the boxes that you would go through. It's spread out throughout the script in a weird way, but it's mm-hmm. like, hey, maybe we're imagining it because we heard all these stories from the neighbors. Um, maybe it is animals up there. Um, maybe we just put the dishes away in a weird way and they all just fell out <laughs> at the same time. Uh, but that I appreciated. The other thing I appreciated compared to other ghost stories like it, like uh the bells uh because it has a lot of similarities with that suspense episode from the 60s that we listened to Mm -hmm. is that the community comes out immediately and starts going hey do you guys know that you just (laughs) rented a haunted house um because usually they just leave these people to fend for themselves and don't say anything so i i I like that element i like the milkman his sole motivation wasn't you know i should do the right thing and let him know you're in a haunted house and nobody he's like i'm just not going to give you anything because probably not going to pay me (laughs) (laughs) so i've been screwed before by this haunted house (laughs) (laughs) just ask for the money up front hey this is a haunted house so this is a pay-as-you-go deal yeah (laughs) ghosts don't think about all the like collateral damage that they cause (laughs) they it has an economic impact on the community it's not just the people who rented your do the right thing as you're running in a panic out of the haunted house clutching your valuables pay the people you owe money to (laughs) i think it's reasonable right uh the original version of amityville horror (laughs) them stopping and writing checks (laughs) get out eventually (laughs) all right are we ready to vote i am yes that's terrible uh, no, it does not stand the test of time. I will give it historical significance for what we discussed, and that is we're on a learning curve at this point in this discipline of performing arts, so I will give it historical significance if from that standpoint, as tropey as it seems now. But it is not very listenable by today's standards. Uh, it's more of a, thanks for paving the road. I don't want to listen, though. Yeah, a couple episodes back, I think you you endorsed the idea of reclaiming historical significance as not being a consolation prize. Mm-hmm. That's how I'd apply mm-hmm. this. If there's a lot of historical significance to this, I think it it really is a impressive landmark in the development of these kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. But if you hear this not knowing anything about when was this recorded, what's this about, it would be clunky. It would be awkward for you. So uh, it's great with its context. Yeah, it's fine (laughs) like to me the hermit's cave in general is like the elevator music of old time radio (laughs) it's not great but it's better than awkward silence (laughs) it hits that basic cozy horror old time radio tropes on a chilly autumn night and you have it on the background you're not paying full attention to it Um, and i like it for that and i love the hermit because Every time I play a hermit's cave, it makes my dog bark because when he hears the hermit's <laughs> dog's bark, and this time I was actually like, 
Champ, shut up. It's the hermit's dog, you <laughs> idiot. And I was like, wait, I just said that to my dog. Who's the idiot here? <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. You know, you've been in my house many times, Joshua, and you have seen the vast collection of elevator music that I have <laughs> and how much I love that easy listening mm-hmm. background music. So yeah. if we could find a different analogy, I love okay, elevator um, music. And I love awkward silence. <laughs> I have successfully offended you both. <laughs> I have offended two birds with one stone. Excellent. <laughs> and that is fact for the listeners. I like Muzak <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I have albums and albums of it. And if you want to discuss more with that with me, I'd love to tell you all about it. All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. You'll also find links to our social media pages. You can go to our Threadless store and get some swag. You can uh, you can leave comments. You can send us messages. If you have an episode you want us to listen to and talk about politely, but still critically, uh, you can do that. We'll get to it, I don't know, eventually. And it's also where you can link to our Patreon Yes, you can go to patreon.com slash the morals and you can make this podcast happen. Yes, you. Your support. I switched into NPR mode again. Right. <laughs> You'll get this mug. No, we aren't going to send mugs. No. I'm sorry. We do send tote bags. So I don't know why I got on my high horse there for a second. <laughs> We're above mugs. We're not above tote bags. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, we really do appreciate it. And we have a lot of great extra perks Above and beyond tote bags, although they're pretty nice, pretty yeah. totable. Stuff fits in them. I mean, yeah. we'll send you an NPR tote bag. That would be <laughs> yeah. weird. So please go to patreon.com slash the morals. And if you can give a little money, you'll get podcasts. You'll get uh, a Zoom happy hour with us. You will get tote bags. I keep coming back to tote bags. So let's segue to Eric. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to see us perform live, we do recreations and adaptations of classic old-time radio shows live on stage and also a lot of original uh, work that we write. Uh, I've been doing that for a long time. We perform monthly, and you can see us no matter where you are in the world because COVID has had some uh, positive effects in the sense that uh, we had to learn technology. If you're in the St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul area, we are currently performing either at North Garden Theater or at Park Square Theater. Come and see us perform our shows live. You can go to mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com or ghoulishdelights.com to see what our selection is and the date and buy tickets uh, for our monthly shows. Also, if you aren't in the area, you can purchase tickets to watch us live streaming it. And uh, also, if you can't be there that night, you can buy a ticket to watch it later. So no more excuses. See us perform old-time radio drama. So what's coming up next? Oh, wait, I know. It's my choice. I got to pick one. Next, we're going to be doing an episode of Escape called The Heart of Kali. Until then. Knows of them all. <laughs>